There is so much going on today in the world, in the scriptures, on our own streets. And the scriptures provide us an insight. The scriptures give us a direction if our eyes and hearts are open enough to accept the direction. Let's do the obvious first, the, 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 the story of Isaiah. It was very well read, but it opens with the line, let me sing of my friend. So I'm not gonna sing, so you're saved there. But that's the beginning of the kind of country western melody. He's gonna sing of love and his friendships and, and things that are heartbreaking. And then he goes on to describe in, in a ballad, Oh, he's singing. I wasn't there, so I don't know how it sounded. But he, he said, you know, there was a man who built a beautiful garden and, and grapes growing in it. But when he planted them, they were good grapes. And when he went to look for the yield, they were rotten. They were stinky, smelly, rotten grapes. If those grapes were people, he's talking about our world right now. There are many grapes that are flourishing and flowery and delicious. I'm not going to name names. But there are a lot of grapes in our world. This is a metaphor for people. There are people in our world that are just rotten, evil. Oh, we shouldn't be talking about that in church. We should be talking about love and forgiveness and all that. Yeah, okay, we'll talk about love and forgiveness at the right time. But first of all, we have to identify the enemy. And I'm not going to name any terrorist groups. I'm not going to name any politicians. That's not our role here. But our role is to decipher and discern evil in our world versus what God expects of us. Metaphorically, he expects us to be abundant, delicious fruit. Not fruit to eat. But people who are part of his meadow his world he gave us the world gives us the world and he looks down i you know metaphorically looks down and he looks at the world and says what the hell's going on down there you have bloodshed on the streets you have bloodshed internationally people are not respecting one another what wh why did i send my son and Jesus recalls Isaiah's parable with his own parable about the landowner who finally sends his son because his son will make it clear. Once they know my son, they'll know what's right, what's just, what they should be doing. So what do they do when they get the son? They crucify him. God's son is crucified Goodness itself is put into our hands and is crucified. Now, you could, we could stay with Jesus, but we don't have to go that far. We can go on our streets. We can go on our subways. We can go in the suburbs, the well-to-do areas, the slums, and we see the same thing happening there. The Son of God, people, 
his brothers and sisters, his children being slain by people with whom we share the vineyard. It's hard to decipher the rotten grapes from the good grapes at times. So we read our papers, we look at our newscasts, and we get a better, clearer picture of who the enemy is, a clearer picture of who the rotten grapes are. Now you might say, well, it shouldn't be talking about people that way. I'm sorry, we call it the way it is. If Jesus referred to the grapes as rotten grapes, I can refer to them as rotten grapes. If Isaiah talked about this beautiful vineyard that was destroyed, then I can quote that same metaphor. Because our vineyard, the world, is being destroyed. Oh, oh is it just me, my observation? No. Pope Francis has been talking about this for years when he issued La Data Si and now a new document regarding our participation in the earth, our preservation of life, of water, of culture, of people. But it's all going to hell. I, I, I hope we're here a little while longer before the whole thing just crumbles and God says, oh, to hell with all of you, it's all over. You can all go to hell because you just screwed up my creation. Not God's style, however. Maybe my style, your style, maybe Satan's style, but not God's style. He still has hope in us. And today we have the beautiful parables, both from Isaiah and Jesus. We have more of an indication as to how we, the practicing Christians, who need to be authentic to our word and our faith, need to act. So what do we do? We go to a letter that Paul wrote to the people of Philippi. He loved those people. He loved the people of Philippi. They were a strong community. They were well prepared. They helped one another. They, they, he, he, was, he was a friend of theirs. I mean, he talks about them all the time in glowing terms. But in that letter to the Philippians, and you know what? That letter is written to you and me. Forget Philippians for a second. Even in the midst of the crap going on in our world, Paul says, have no anxiety. Have no anxiety. Read the paper, listen to your newscasts, be aware, but have no anxiety. That seems like, like a contradiction. Bombs are blowing up. People are being destroyed. Our cities are being destroyed. Yet there's a glimmer of hope. And you and I are that hope. Jesus is that hope. Have no anxiety. And here's, here's the key. How can we go through life without anxiety, with all this going on around us? Prayer. He says it. Pray and place your petitions of prayer before God in thanksgiving. Make your petitions and your requests known to God. Speak to God 
Every one of us should be speaking to God on a regular basis. Because of your own illness, because the illness of a neighbor or a sister or a brother, because the conditions of the world, because of the politics of the world, speak to God. He is the only one who can intervene. Paul knew what he was doing. When we have communion with God, we get through things. Maybe we don't fix things necessarily, but Jesus on the cross made it very clear. Speak to the Father. Put ourselves into his hands. Trust him. Again, this is not a wish list. This is not a genie. This is God we're talking to. And our prayer, the constant prayer of a Christian is your will be done. But through our own anxieties, speak to him and let him know our concern for Israel, for the homeless, for the migrant. Let him know our concern and to the best of our ability, do physically what we can do. Whether it's finances, politics, letters, whatever. Paul is giving us a direction. Now, we have a choice. We can either live in the world and absorb all of its misery and live out that misery and pass that misery on to one another through our attitudes, through our not caring, through our apathy, or we can go back to Paul and say, okay, Paul, what should we do? Think about these things, he says. What things? What is true? What is honorable? What is just? What is pure? What is lovely? What is gracious? And anything that is worthy of praise. Be the light of the Christian faith in the world today. It needs you. The world needs Christ and Christ needs us to be Jesus Christ in the world. Through actions, through prayers, through attitude. Focusing what is good. Focusing on a flower coming up in a desert. Focusing on the minimal care we can give one another. Focusing on what is honorable and what gives us courage. Instead of focusing on the negative, there's enough of that, and that negative world needs you. Have you thought, have we thought of how important we are and what role we have to play in this world? We've been saved and sent by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into the world to change it. And yet we put on our TVs, we put on our internets, we put on all the media, and we see it's falling apart. But one glimmer of hope, two glimmers of hope, ten glimmers of hope, a church full of hope can start changing that. Our politicians right down the block, the UN, will be meeting in a few minutes to address the crisis of the current crisis of the world today. That's their physical and political 
goal. But we're right there with them. And our goals come through prayer, focusing on what is good, focusing on what is positive, focusing on what is gracious. We treat one person like dirt, we're treating the world like dirt. We respect one person, we're respecting the world that God gave us. See how it works? Francis the Pope knows what he's talking about. When he says the world, is at the, it's, it's at the brink. What are you going to do? Oh, what, we've had bad times like this before. Really? This is the worst. Up to date, it's the worst. Will we live through this? Will our Catholic faith give us the strength to focus on what is honorable, pure, gracious, just, and excellent? Only every one of us, individually, and as a body of Christ, can answer that. Paul further goes on in that beautiful letter to the Philippians. Keep on doing what you have learned and received. Keep on respecting the tradition of our ancestors. Keep on producing knowledge. Share it with the children. Our religious studies, our catechism, our respect for the saints, our respect for the tradition, our, our loyalty to the sacraments. Keep on focusing on them. Share them. Don't mute those gifts. When you mute the gifts of the Holy Spirit, close the doors, it's all over. So Paul is telling us, focus on that. What you've received from me, he talks about himself, but what you and I have received from scriptures, and of course from Jesus, we need to carry on. We need to share. And the conclusion is very simple. In Paul's words, then the God of peace will be with you. And we all want that. We want the God of peace to be with us, but we've got to be people of peace. Whether we say shalom, whether we say peace, whether we say pache, it doesn't matter the language, we've got to absorb the message of the scriptures that the God of peace will be ours when we act peacefully, when we are peaceful. And that starts with me, the next person I speak to, the group I'm affiliated with, family or friends. It starts here and now. It's not out tomorrow, it's not out in the papers, it's not out, let's see what the local politician's saying. To hell with all of that, we have God. Our world is falling apart and we have the God of peace. Your choice, our choice.